0: Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive.
1: Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. We're your hosts, Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner. Good morning, Bruce. Good
0: morning, Rachel. Uh, This is going to be a very interesting podcast today because we are going to be talking to a podcaster himself and uh, we're really excited to get his insight
1: excellent yes and our special guest is josh thomas he's the sales and marketing strategist with profit arc and he's also the co-host of how to lose money podcast so welcome josh
2: Hey, glad to be here. I'm really excited about this. Uh, I, I wanted to I wanted to tell you guys uh, this is my very first time. I've done 250 plus podcasts. Very first time as a guest.
1: Well, we are so honored to have you on our show and being able to share your wisdom and that 250 podcast worth of wisdom and all of your experience as well.
2: Well, just catch me, catch me if I am the one that starts asking the questions and flip it back around on me. Okay. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha
0: That's great. I think that would be quite all right.
1: (laughs) That is. So let's go ahead and I want to share a little bit about who Josh is. So Josh Thomas is a problem solver. He has assisted growing and failing businesses in dozens of industries to identify problems and work on them. Be it sales, marketing, or a systems issue, Josh's focus is on results and revenue. He's personally consulted with over a 1,000 businesses in 30 different industries across six continents so pretty wide-reaching. Josh delivers tangible results-oriented solutions in sales, marketing, and systems components using sales fundamentals, direct response marketing, and proven best practices for laser-targeted, rapid business growth. Josh lives in Austin, Texas. He's an avid stand-up paddleboarder. And we first came across you through your How to Lose Money podcast and you have a fascinating background with experience in areas that are applicable to all business owners and entrepreneurs that we are reaching. And so we are really excited to share your message and your focus with our audience. Awesome. So, so Josh, let's jump in. So who were you before you started helping other businesses succeed?
2: It's a great question. So uh, when I was in high school, I was in the, I was in the band. And I had this uh just amazing prolific guy that was the band director and and I wanted to be him. Oh nice. And uh, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of uh male role models in my life. Dad wasn't around. Mm. And uh so I just kind of latched on to these um strong male figures and he was one of them and, and I just I wanted to I wanted to live his life, you know, I I wanted to have this really competitive music program, and I wanted to run it, and I wanted all of the glory and everything, so I went to college and uh, got a degree in music. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, that was great. Uh, I went to uh, an excellent school, University of Kentucky. Um, that's where I grew up, and I uh, graduated. I got my first job, ended up moving to Texas, and uh, had, a, had a pretty good run. It was a successful career. I taught for six years. And uh, then I I got pretty burnt out after that. It was long hours, you know, almost every Saturday because there's it's an extracurricular activity, and
1: mm-hmm.
2: I it, it wasn't so much about money at that point, but it was it was kind of you know what am I doing with my life? I had been living in this amazing city in Austin for about three or four years, and I hadn't seen any of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Didn't have time, you know. All my friends were. uh either band directors and they were burned out like me, um, you know, and I, and I also, I spent probably 80% of my day with teenagers. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, um, you know, and then I started looking like, well, I can, I can become a principal and I can wait, but that's the only way that I can make more money. Mm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm locked into this salary, no matter how good of a job I do.
1: Right. Uh, So not a lot of upward advancement.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I did. So just go ahead, Bruce. So Josh, this is really interesting
0: because I don't. You don't know this, but I was in education for seventeen years. Oh, how about that? And so, yeah. So your your uh, your description is very similar to what I I went through. And your the last thing you said was was uh, probably the defining moment when I realized no matter how good I was, no matter how many hours I put in the person right next to me in the classroom right next to me was making the exact same amount. And there was no delineation between talent, time and capital that you were putting into. And you were way better career. than that guy, right? <laughs> and, yeah, well, I believe I was. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, I get wow. it. And uh, so I did the, I did the sensible thing and uh, decided to become a real estate agent.
1: <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, okay. And
2: um, so you'll, You'll laugh at the sarcasm that I've I've laid down in, in a moment when I explain what happened. Um, so I realized that, okay, well, if I'm not going to teach, then I'm just going to go and make my millions in real estate. And so I quit teaching and I got my real estate license. Um, anybody want to take a wild guess at when I got my real estate license? 2008. It was July of
1: 2008. Nice. <laughs> nice. Very nice.
2: Now, Millions. In July of 2008, uh, I mean, the, the people with their ear to the ground had an idea that things were getting bad. Yes. But people that were high school band directors weren't really paying attention to this sort of thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, so I quit. I get my real estate license, and I'm ready to go. But there are two problems. Uh, number one, nobody can get a loan and uh, number 2 i actually don't know anything about sales I can, nice. I can i can teach you how to play a piece of music but i cannot convince you to actually do you know business with me because i had no skills whatsoever but i really struggled wow. with that uh, and i think in my entire real estate career i i helped one family buy a house and um, I helped one really old crotchety man sell his house, <laughs> and
1: not the millions you were you were aspiring to when you made that career transition. Not
2: the millions I was looking for, Rachel. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's interesting. How old were you at that time? If you don't mind me sure,
2: asking. Sure, uh, that was my late twenties.
1: Okay, so aspiring, wanting to transition into something that's more um, has no ceiling for you. And, um, and you're really disappointed. It sounds like.
2: Um, Yeah, I was, I was frustrated and I was broke. You know, I mean, there was, there was definitely Mm -hmm. disappointment, but there was, uh, I, I was lucky to have this credit card with an $11,000 limit and man, they will let you go right up to that limit. Did you know that?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Uh,
2: Absolutely. They will.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, so what, what I'm interested in is, you had to have somebody expose you to real estate or a friend, a colleague, somebody that said, hey, you're going to be really good at this. What's What's the backstory on that?
2: Great question. Well, I mean, I was looking for the next thing, whatever it was. And uh, I thought, well, maybe I can be an attorney. And then I realized how much school you had to go to to be an attorney. I'm like, "Eh, I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I started looking around and well, how much do real estate agents make? And I was like, okay, that seems pretty attractive. And what's the, what's the barrier to entry to be a real estate agent? Um, You know, can you fog a mirror? (laughs) I'm like, Mm -hmm.
1: okay, (laughs) Right. right,
2: cool. So I went and took the test and passed it. Uh, in like five days, and uh now I had the literal and figurative license to go make a bunch of money. Uh, it just didn't happen
1: right, right, and definitely not all the skill set that you needed um that that licensure doesn't necessarily mean that you're qualified to make money, right
2: The test basically confirms that you understand how many different ways you can lose your license and get sued
1: mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah.
2: It does not teach, it does not make sure that you actually know how to uh, create a, a successful business. In fact, um, uh, every, every city, region, uh, realtor organization does this. There's a printout that you can get if you're a broker, and it shows you every single agent and how much money they made and how many sales they made. Well
0: mm-hmm. oh, interesting.
2: And uh, so, for instance, in Austin, uh, 10 years ago, Austin was, uh, the the metropolitan area was probably about a million people, 10,000 real estate agents. And of the 10,000 real estate agents, less than 200 of them were making what the average person would consider a full-time income, Mm -hmm. $30,000 a year, less than 200 out of the 10,000 were making enough money to where they didn't have to do something else. That's crazy, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that's very interesting because Rachel and I have been uh, guests of the young professional network on Long Island in New York, and they have 26,000 realtors in on Long Island and um, only, I believe Rachel, you correct me on this. I think they said only 12 out of those 26 actually made any money last year.
1: I don't yeah. remember the exact numbers, but it was in that ballpark because I mean, it's interesting. I, f- I feel like this applies to a lot of different industries and I've heard that about real estate, even and I'm thinking back to realtors that I've talked to even five, six years ago saying the same thing. And I, if I did the math correctly, that's looking like about 2% of the realtors are making even close to a full-time income. That's not even saying they're wildly successful at this point, right? Th-
2: that just means that they can pay their rent.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so you went through this experience, but it didn't uh, deter you from staying in an entrepreneurial mindset. So then how did you transition out of there to, to some uh, other entrepreneurial endeavors?
2: Well, you know, there's, there's the, uh, the positive mantra of everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm skeptical about that. I, I, a nuance that I would add to it is everything that happens to you is your own damn fault.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, and and, I are go- you and I are going to get along really well
2: <laughs> <laughs> and and so i I realized that I was terrible at this, and it was a horrible market. Um, and so necessity kind of made me turn to another source. I'm like, ah, I started applying for jobs and I couldn't get a job, you know, surprisingly. A degree in education and six years of experience does not help you get any kind of job except for teaching.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And so I couldn't really get a job, but I had this nice computer. And I, uh, I slowly, I started just kind of getting on there late at night uh, when there was nothing else to do. I have a daughter and she was like one year old at the time. And
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, I had gotten divorced uh, recently. And so it was just like me on my own. and I had all this time. And so I got on the internet and started typing in really stupid stuff like how to make money online and uh, okay. didn't ever find the answer yet. Yeah.
1: And this was in 2008? Was this also in 2008-ish yeah. time frame?
2: Yeah, it was pr- I, probably gave it a, I probably gave real estate full time like about six months okay. to a year. Uh, so this was kind of the following gotcha. year. And uh, so I started meeting... Um, all these really interesting marketing guys. Mm-hmm. And I started buying their products and learning stuff from them. And so I started building up this education. Like now I actually know something besides music. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just wasn't making me any money. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so this goes on and on and on. And then it gets to the point where like, okay, the, I've, I've done the maxed out credit card dance for about a year and a half now. And uh, I borrowed some money from my mom. And you know, I, I, I picked up a couple of gigs doing like, videos for marketing guys because I, I had this skill and I had this really nice computer. And, but it just none of it was ever actually covering my, my basic monthly nut. Mm-hmm. And so I gave up when I went and got a job. And ironically, I got a sales job uh, because they were, <laughs> it was the only place I could get a job um, okay. quickly and easily. And that, that was kind of the beginning of of the change for me because I had uh, what I would consider probably one of the best sales trainers in the world, this guy named Nate Brooks. Um, He was uh, one of the founders of Zip Realty. And uh, he, I, he bought out of that or sold out of that. And he was just, he was here in Austin, Texas. And he wanted to teach people how to sell. And so I worked with Nate, and he taught me how to sell. He gave me these fundamentals that I never had before, and I, I, I took that and I launched that into another job that was a little more satisfying for me, but it was at a call center, churning out a bunch of dials. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
2: and, and here's, you know, Bruce Rachel, I, I want to share this next thing with you, and, and I think that I think this will really make an impact, because you're going to start looking back in finding this instance in your life. So here's what happened. One of, the, one of the marketing guys that I was following at the time, his name is Perry Marshall. Mm-hmm. And Perry is probably one of the most uh, prolific uh, AdWords, Google AdWords and marketing guys, or at least he was 10 years ago.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, Perry had a conference um, that he was bringing it to Austin. And it was 99 bucks. And I was broke as a joke at the time, but I really, really liked to parry. thing, and so I had this client that convinced to let me do some work for a little bit of money, and I went to the client and I said, "Hey, I really need to go to this conference. I think it'll help our uh I think it'll help our uh, project but it's ninety nine bucks will you pay it for me <laughs> <laughs> i can't I can't afford the ninety nine bucks man <laughs> um so so he said yes, uh-huh. and Hi, so I okay. paid the 99 bucks, and I went to this conference, and I met Perry. And I, I'll never forget it. You know, he opened up the door. He's standing right there. I've been seeing his picture online forever, and he's just standing right there, and he reaches his hand out and shakes it, and he's like, hey, welcome. And I just thought that was the coolest thing, man, because he was one of my heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I'm telling you this story because uh, six months later, I got a phone call from a sales guy that worked for Perry, and I was at work, uh, and he was he was basically calling down the list of attendees, seeing if he could sell something. And I said, "Look, man, I don't want to, I don't want to buy any of your stuff right now." But I'll tell you what, I'm working in a call center. I love Perry. Uh, I'm not afraid to pick up the phone. I'd love to work for Perry. And he's like, "Huh? Well, that's kind of weird." <laughs> and uh, so he hung up the phone. They gave me uh, a little uh, kind of side project to do and so uh when when i finished 130 dials at the call center i would log out at 5:30, and i'd pull up my cell phone and then i would call down this list of people that they wanted me to call for a, a workshop they were doing and i did that every day for two weeks i had like 50 more dials a day i was calling like 200 people a day um and after after two weeks they said you know hey you really moved the needle on that we'd like to offer you a job and so i worked I worked with Perry for six years and Perry introduced me to the best marketers in the world. He gave me status and I'm standing right next to a guy that everybody looks up to and respects. And uh, if they need to buy anything, they have to call Josh. Nice. And so why I tell you that story is I'm going back to uh, that one handshake, that one introduction, Catapulted me away from the mediocre failure that I was,
1: mm. and that introduction was because of you finding him, searching out his information, and finding a way to sell, getting into that workshop. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah,
2: it takes it. it the The moral of the story is: it just takes one person, one thing to change everything for you. I'll, I'll never, you know, Perry, Perry and I uh, have kind of moved in different directions now. um, But I will be forever grateful for that handshake. Because if I had not gotten that handshake, I don't know where I would be now. Well, don't you think
0: that perseverance is also part of the story?
2: Oh, absolutely.
0: I mean, um, You know, I always think that if you show up on time and continue to try, eventually the uh, pieces will be put into place. And that's what most entrepreneurs uh, can relate to. And it's the difference between the ones that are successful and the ones that quit right before that handshake happens.
2: Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, man. And uh, I... I'm not going to disagree with you on that. There, however, is this adaptation that has to happen. You have to be uh, flexible. I, I read this quote very recently. Um, I think it was a Charles Darwin quote. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably butcher it. I'll, let me see if I can find the exact wording. But he says that um, uh, evolution is not about survival of the fittest or the most intelligent. But it's about the the animals that can most readily adapt to change.
0: Well, but that's part of perseverance, I believe. I think nice. I, I think part of perseverance is not yep. <clears throat> just bang your head against the wall and do something over. And if we're going to start keep uh, quoting people, I mean, you know, Einstein's definition of insanity—you know, <laughs> doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. <laughs> yeah. Um, Right, so you know, exactly. that, I don't think perseverance is just for the sake of trying something over and over and or knocking on the same doors over and over until somebody lets you in. It's actually evolving or or uh, reinventing yourself, and or as uh, the, the the buzzword nowadays is pivot to something else. So, uh, Josh, talk a little bit about uh, what you do for people as far as simplicity and focus.
2: Sure. So uh, one one way to look at this is we there's a lot of noise. And there are a lot of shiny objects out there. Uh, and we want to make sure that we're focusing on the thing that's going to get us a result.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Not on the thing that's going to make us look good or that's going to stroke our ego, but the thing that's going to get a result. And uh, I think we we had discussed this before. And I think we both agree uh in order to have a successful business, you need a valuable product, you need a hungry crowd, and then you need to be in a great position to where the hungry crowd can see your valuable product. Mm-hmm. And and that's really it. If you're uh on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and LinkedIn and you know, Google Plus, I mean, some people use Google Plus. If, if you're if you're in all of those places, that's fine. Um, but why are you there? Are you there because your customers are there? Are you there because you have a plan on how to generate business from there? Or are you there because somebody told you you have to be there? Let's go back to your website. Do you have a website because you need one? Or do you have a website because you think you should have one? Mm-hmm. And so the, the concept of Agile development, I'll just go through it again very quickly. Yeah, that'd be great. So uh, Agile development uh, was described to me. There's a, uh, there's a dictionary for lay people. <laughs> and I, uh, again, this, the name has escaped me, but it's, it's really cool. You take all these really, really complex com- topics and it kind of converts it into plain language for you. And so Agile development is like uh, if you were building a ship. And if you're building a ship... Most of the time you're going to build the entire thing in the shipyard and then you're going to shove it off into sea. Well, agile development says you build the hull, you stick all of the other stuff you might need in there, and you shove off to sea and you build the rest of the ship while you're sailing. Right. And the, the reason that you do that is, well, once you get out to sea, you're going to find out, well, oh, that might not be the best sail or mast or oars, and maybe I want to design this a little differently because I'm out here and I'm living it, and I'm getting immediate feedback. Mm-hmm. same way I would recommend that you build a business. Don't worry about your website. Don't worry about your USP, uh, you know, finding your why, all that stuff. Let's figure out if we can take an offer and go and get somebody to give you money for it.
0: Boy, I feel, I feel like I've uh, met my long lost brother here because, <laughs> because uh, I pivoted about 18 months ago for a niche market for teachers to more of business owners. And I joined a organization, and a co-working organization in St. Louis called Medici Media Place. And the great thing about the Media Place is uh, not only do we have access to all this different uh, media and consulting groups and so on and so forth, and just frankly, uh, services if we need them. uh, And it's not in a networking type of way. It's just in a group genius type of way. So we get together and we help each other launch different ideas for businesses. And one of our Tenants is we want to keep this simple and we want to uh, just find a group of people, almost like a focus group, and see if they will find the service that you uh, you think is valuable, see if they think it's valuable. So instead of, we, we say this all the time, Josh, instead of having a website or getting on social media, um, why don't you just call some people and invite them to... Your service or your event, and see what what they think about it. Mm-hmm. And then I've actually contributed something called the Help Method, H uh, E L P, help. So you would actually have a, a niche market or a group of people that you think might need your service, and just call people and not try to actually come out front and sell it to them, but say, "Hey, I've been working on this concept, and I need people like you to help me develop this concept." So then you just simply present the concept with them, ask them for their feedback, and then what, what miraculously helps or miraculously help happens is not only do they help you with the feedback, but they say, hey, you know, this seems to be a valuable thing. Well, you think this will be something that I, sh- I should look into? Mm. So it's a it's a way to kind of work on that boat like you talk about. While it's out in the ocean, I actually use it another analogy, I say it's like building the airplane while it's in
1: while it's in the air. And
2: <laughs> a little harder to do, yeah, but no, still, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And Josh, I'm hearing you build the boat while it's in the water. Yeah. Kind of like the, the lean startup type of approach. Is that what I'm hearing?
2: Yeah, more or less. Uh, and I actually have a couple of examples for this. Um, that, awesome. that have worked Go ahead for me. And share those. So this is this is what for, for everybody listening. I want you to think about this. If you are an entrepreneur and you do not currently have a business or you're stuck in, oh, I really need to figure out what I need to do. If you're stuck in that mode, or even if you have already generated some sales and you're looking for, well, how do I get ahead? This is this is one way. There's, there's, there's always more than one, but this is one way. Uh, I got introduced to this idea of generating leads on LinkedIn. And uh, I, it was a Facebook ad, and the guy, you know, had a had a great pitch. And I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, okay, I think I can do this. Um, how am I going to do it? Uh, basically, you were reaching out to. Uh, it was like a manual approach. You're reaching out to connections. You're writing a, a good uh, message to try to um, pitch them for some service, and then I offer that to other business owners. Okay. Right. I've got some, I've got some spare time. I have an assistant and, and I can, I can probably outsource the majority of this work. So what I did was first, I, I put together my offer and I went and I called, um, five people that I really like and trust. And I say, okay, I'm going to give you my pitch, poke some holes in it. And so they did that. And so I refined it. And then I started reaching out to people I didn't necessarily know. And I started offering it to them. And, uh, Eventually some of them bit and I got a couple of clients out of it. And I think we're, you know, we're like 30 days into this right now. So I have a couple of clients and uh, I just got, just got the very first client just renewed and he paid me for the second month. And so it's, it's going somewhere. Now, if you ask me what is the name of this service, I don't have one. Mm -hmm. If you ask me where can I go and get more information and learn more about this, you can't. It's me. It's a dude on the phone. Uh, we don't have a social media presence there's, there's literally no, not even any name for the, for the service. It's just called LinkedIn lead generation service. Uh, and you won't find it anywhere because I'm going out and trying to prove the concept. And I was able to, I get on the phone and I talk to somebody and I say, okay, um, you, you run a, a B2B type business and you're looking for, you know, leads that are accountants in the Northwest. Well, I can help you find accountants in the Northwest on LinkedIn, and I'm going to write a message that's going to compel them to respond, and I'll follow up with them, and I'll charge you X number of dollars. Do you want to do it? Actually, you know what? In fact, if it doesn't work, I'm going to guarantee the results, and I'll eat all of the hard costs, and I'll give you your money back. You want to do it or no? And they say yes. And uh, Well,
1: it kind of sounds like a, a win-win. I mean, in a way, they have nothing to lose. If it doesn't go well, they get their money back, and if it does go well, then they've mastered Whatever goal they had, right? Guess
2: how many people asked me uh, for a website?
1: Uh, zero. Zero. Nice.
2: Guess how many people wanted to like read some reviews on Facebook or Google? Zero. Zero. <laughs> totally irrelevant. Nice. So, so I have a I have a functioning business that is generating revenue from sending a couple of messages and talking on the phone for a few minutes.
1: You know, Josh, that's now, really counterintuitive. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm hearing that it's extremely the opposite of what most people would tell you to start a business. You know, incorporate, get business cards, get your letterhead, get a logo, build a website, all this backend stuff that doesn't actually make money, right?
2: Waste of time. And
1: so you're saying totally do the opposite. And it probably feels kind of scary for someone who's maybe wondering, well, what do I do? Right. <laughs> but, but it sounds like it's working. So that's fascinating. And I, I love that. I mean, I'm hearing results first, as opposed to build all this, this big boat and then hope it works.
2: Yeah. You yeah, know, I was just reading uh, in a, uh, a discussion forum the other day, um, somebody it was a, a, a photographer for pets or something, very obscure. And uh, he was, he was writing like, okay, well, I've done all of this. I've, I've put the website, I've made these offers, I've done all these things, but, but nobody's ever, nobody's giving me any money. What do I do? And, uh you know, my response, I didn't write this, but I thought it, my, my response was maybe you should offer something that people are willing to pay for. Mm-hmm. You know, you could, you could, uh, you know, bang your head against the wall until this thing works, or you could start doing something that people are, you know, people value, um, and are willing to give you money for. I love it. So I, I would say, you know, for, for all of the entrepreneurs in this group, uh, I, I'm not a guy um, that's, you know, I'm not sitting on a yacht, you know, drinking my, you know, fruity drinks with the umbrella uh, surrounded by beautiful ladies, okay? I'm, I'm just a guy. And, uh, I mean, I'm, <clears throat> I'm a smart guy, and I, I know how to survive, and I know how to make money. But this isn't, you know, wisdom from the top of the mountain, uh, I'm a guy that gets in the trenches and gets stuff done. Mm-hmm. And um, I was a guy who sat there and talked about ideas and uh, built my website and made sure that you know my autoresponder was put together properly and blah 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 and all that stuff. And that made me zero dollars. Mm-hmm. What made me money was going out and having a valuable service finding a place where the hungry crowd is and asking them to buy my stuff. And I'll figure the rest of it out. If this, you know, if I pick up like three or four more clients, maybe I'll come up with a name for it. Maybe I'll build a website, (laughs) but it's not important. Yes. Not necessary to be a functional business. So
1: where would you say that I mean, if you're helping, um, I'm hearing that you probably are helping people who want to get into entrepreneurship for the first time, and maybe they've they're trying to leave a corporate job, or they're trying to launch out into being able to be in control of their financial destiny and create cash flow and create income and have um, less limitations on their upward advancement and really be able to create that life that they love. So maybe they're they're ready to launch into that, or maybe they're trying to pivot in their current business and be able to say, well, how do I go? to becoming exponentially successful? I mean, what would you tell them they need in order to start?
2: Well, that is a really good question, Rachel. And uh, so let me make sure that I understand. um, Would you say that the majority of this audience are uh, looking to leave the rat race or they already have some kind of functional business that they're looking to grow? Where Where would you say the demographics fall?
1: I mean, I would say most are in some kind of business, whether it's um, like a self-employed type of role or somehow they have a business operation that they're working and growing and that they're building towards success. So they probably already have some type of a concept or an idea. So I'm trying to figure out how what you're sharing would relate to that person.
2: Got it. Think about it like this. Um, there's a, uh, a Gary Keller quote and I think actually I pulled it up so that I didn't misquote. I've I've probably misquoted like five or six things. Uh, this,
1: That's okay. I'm, we can find the real quote. I'm going to get That's this okay. one right.
2: Um, Gary Keller says, "What's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary?" And mm-hmm. I would apply that quote. Gary Keller was a really, really, really smart guy. And mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I want you to think about, what are you doing with your day? Um, the, the advice that I give to, to anyone who's starting a business, or struggling, or not making enough money, is you need to flip your productive time towards the thing that is going to produce the most results, and forget everything else. And I like to use the 80-20 rule. Um, the 80-20 rule is you know 80% of your effort, or 20% of your effort produces 80% of your results, and vice versa. Uh, And it's, it's a kind of a law of nature. 20%, Mm -hmm. yeah, the Pareto principle, principle. 20% Mm -hmm. of the entire market capitalization of the stock market, or 80% of the entire market cap of the stock market is owned by 20% of the companies, and vice versa. Uh, So here's your Mm -hmm. 80-20. Let's, let's just assume everybody works a 40 hour week. What are you doing with that 40 hour week? to, uh, produce revenue or, uh, increase profit or whatever the goal is. My suggestion is prospecting. If you, if you're a struggling business owner and you don't have enough people to talk to and you don't have enough sales, then you need to really spend 80% of your time prospecting or in active sales conversations. If you're not doing that, change your systems so that that's what you can do. That's about six hours a day by the way. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And uh, if you're spending six hours a day prospecting for new business or in sales conversations, and you do that for a month, you will be in a different position, guaranteed. So my suggestion is, take, take a look, take a real hard look and take stock of what are you doing with your productive time. If you're allotting yourself 40 hours a week for your business, and you don't have enough customers and you don't have enough sales, then you really need to be spending at least 80% of your time prospecting for a new business in whatever capacity that is. You know, if, if it's going to a meetup, that counts. If it is cold calling, that counts. If it's sending out emails, that counts. Getting people on the phone and just talking about your business and they're qualified and they're a potential uh, prospect for you, that counts. Mm-hmm. That's, that's simplicity. It doesn't matter. Like, Stop working on your website. Stop working on your your email campaign and go out there and prospect for new business until it doesn't make sense for you to do that anymore. There will come this time where, okay, I'm spending six hours a day on this and I'm overwhelmed and I'm overloaded with people. That's when you can outsource and you can start changing your focus and you can spend 80% of your time building your business instead of selling your business.
0: Yeah. When you, when you have created your own demand, when you've gotten that to that point is what you're saying you have more clients actually wanting your service than you can actually uh, handle because you're you now need to flip that right to where you maybe do six hours of servicing your clients and maybe only two hours of, of prospecting because you have all the clients that you can handle at this
2: time yep and and I just want to ask you i again I'm, I'm I'm not like a magician or anything but let's be practical if if every single person who is listening to this podcast would go out and spend six hours a day trying to find new business, they would probably be successful, right? I mean, it's almost a guarantee. Right. And so, so just, just think about that. If, if, you, if you're not where you want to be, start doing the things that you need to do to get where you want to be. And to build a business, you have to go out and find people who are willing to give you money. And that's what you need to be spending the majority of your time on uh, until it makes sense to get somebody else to do that.
1: That's mm-hmm. excellent. And thank you for sharing that. Just I think that's a valuable lesson for all of us to gather from what you're sharing today. So let's kind of tie all of these pieces together. You've you've shared some fascinating ideas. Several were kind of having this these some type of heroes that you're looking at, that you're aspiring to, that you're learning from. And I'm hearing behind that, that you're continually looking at um, somebody who is beyond you in whatever level of success you want to achieve. So I'm hearing that as one of your themes. And then you really talked about adaptation and being um, willing to adjust to the culture and what's needed in order to be resilient. And then you're sharing this kind of opposite way of building a business in terms of really building it as, as needed based on the audience, based on the demand and really focusing on bringing in those, those prospects or those clients that you have the ability to serve. What if, if our audience is looking to do any of these things or, or move their business into a position of greater results, how can you help them and how would they reach out to you?
2: Great question. And so I've been thinking about this. Uh, to me, the the best way that I work is um, with diagnosis. And so what I would recommend uh, to, to anyone listening to this podcast, and if I said something that's resonated with you, uh, let's have a conversation. And uh, the, the easiest way to do that is uh, just send me an email, josh at joshthomas.net. Josh at JoshThomas.net. Send me an email and what? here's what I want you to put in the email. I want you to put in, uh, I, I don't care about your business. I don't care what you do. I don't care where you are. I just want you to tell me, this is my number one problem right now. You don't have to even address me. It doesn't even have to be a complete sentence or it can be a run on. The format doesn't matter. But I want you to send me an email, Josh at JoshThomas.net. And I want you to tell me, this is my number one problem right now. And tell me what it is. That's it. Just hit Send. I'll have your email. I can reply. And we can get a, you know scheduled for a call or whatever. Um, or I can just help you right there on the email. Uh, and what, what we'll do is we'll diagnose you know if that, in fact, is your real problem and uh, see if we can look for some, some causes of that. And if we can find the causes, then we can find the solutions.
1: That's great. And I, I want to go back to another question as well. And um, and this was maybe something we could have packed in a little earlier, but you're also a co-host of the How to Lose Money podcast. Um, just share a little bit about that and what your objective and mission is with that podcast.
2: Man, that's been incredible uh, for me. It's It, it really has... It's, it's changed my perspective, and it's introduced me to amazing people uh, like you guys and uh, you know, lifelong friends and some clients, and that's been awesome. So why did it happen? Um, so Paul Moore is the co-host. He's uh, a previous guest on your podcast, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, so Paul and I actually met um, through Perry, and I ended up pitching Paul on uh, like a marketing package. And uh, he showed up and I pitched him and I I gave him the number and it was really, really high, you know, and he was like, gosh, that's a lot of money. And uh, so we were talking and this was a this was an in-person meeting and um, we were trying to figure out if it was a good fit. And ultimately, it wasn't a good fit for us to work together on that. But as the as the meeting was ending, Paul said, you know, I'd really like to start a podcast where I bring on real estate investors and entrepreneurs uh, where they or they just talk about how they were successful. Um, And I, and I hope that they'll talk a little bit about their struggles, you know, so I can help them with that. And in that moment, I just had this gut check reaction and I just looked at him and I said, Paul, you need to start a podcast called how to lose money. In fact, if you do, I will be your (laughs) co-host. And uh, he kind of like, he had this long pause and he's like, well, I'm going to have to think about that. (laughs) And, uh, and then, He called me up like three or four weeks later and he said, okay, I I think I'm going to do this. Let's do it. And uh, so basically I lost the bet. (laughs) But what I've learned from it uh, is, you know, almost every guest that comes on there, they say, Hey, I love the format. I love the fact that you're focusing on the failure because I don't know a single successful person that hasn't had a major failure And that's powerful. If you think about it, they had a major failure. And that's a lot of times that's what made them successful because they learned so much. I like to reference uh, one of our previous guests. His name is Jay Massey. um, He was a multifamily apartment investor. And his story was basically, he bought some uh, fourplex or something in a really bad part of town and somebody got murdered there or set on fire, like something horrible happened and he lost some 50, a hundred thousand dollars of his investment. And, um, the lesson, the lesson that he got from that was, uh, you know, all right, I could walk away from this and do something else, or I could stick with it and apply what I learned. I've already paid the tuition for this lesson. I might as well stick around and apply it. You paid $50,000 to learn this.
0: Right.
2: You might as well go in there and do it better. That to me is what it's all about. Uh, you, you fail, you have to go and self-reflect and figure out why did you fail and how can I make sure that that specific failure does not happen again? And we've done that more than a hundred times now and it just, uh, it blows me away every time uh, to see how, um, how resilient entrepreneurs are as a whole.
0: So when you, uh, when you are on these, which is the number one, um, guest, I know it's hard to maybe do, you know, pick one without insulting other people, but who was your favorite or the one and let's say this way, the one that maybe provided the, the best value to your listeners.
2: Oh gosh, there's so many, it's, it's hard to say, but if I had to, if I had to pick one just kind of off the, off the cuff, uh we interviewed Mike McCallowitz who is the author of Profit First and uh he had a fantastic interview and his his lesson of making sure that you pay yourself first uh is is something that I think every entrepreneur should learn and I think everybody should pick up his book
0: well i i think that's really great because one of the things i talk to people about is uh structuring your your cash flow personally because there's you have your business economy and you have your personal economy and the the paying yourself first works in the personal economy, but it also is an important aspect in your business economy. And uh, you can't do that unless you actually know what you're spending money on or how much money. You said this at the very beginning, what is my monthly nut? And so um, that would be something that I think is very valuable for people. So as we wrap this up, Josh, I just want to say we're, I'm very thankful Um that you came on today. You've uh, given us some great insights. And uh, is there any kind of closing remark that you'd like to make uh, right now?
2: If you're out there trying to make a difference, you're not alone. If you're struggling to make a difference, I think it's time to change directions it's time to look at how do you produce results, focus on results first. If you need help with that, reach out to me, josh at joshthomas.net. Send me an email, uh, your number one problem. And let's see if we can help you focus and get to those results.
0: Well, we'd like to thank our listeners today. We'd like to especially thank Josh Thomas for coming on and spending time with us. And if any of this resonates with you, reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com. free financial picture consultation remember what we're trying to do is help you maximize your wealth today and in the future Uh, what we do is we help you discover when money's flowing into your control and what money's flowing out of your control then we develop strategies to have more of that money flow into your control the end result you'll have more money to utilize during your lifetime and more for future generations we'd like to thank uh, you for coming to this podcast And remember, there's additional resources at www.themoneyadvantage.com. And if you have any questions and we enjoy your comments, remember, hello at themoneyadvantage.com. And finally, success leaves clues. Model the successful few and not the crowd. And build a life and business you love. Well said.
1: To learn how high-performing entrepreneurs 10x or more returns on Liquid Capital without giving up quick access to cash, go to themoneyadvantage.com forward slash liquid dash capital to get The Unfair Advantage, your 20-minute easy-to-read guide on maximizing your savings.